Well, it is wonderful to be back home with you. Thank you for allowing my wife and I the opportunity to get away for some time. I was ready to hang up my phone for a while. That was good. That was enjoyable. And uh, it was just a great time. We flew to Greenville, South Carolina, picked up my daughter. My daughter's back uh, with us uh, for the summer, and uh, we're happy about that. We made our way over to the Smoky Mountains. How many have ever been to the Smoky Mountains? Wow, what a beautiful area. I'll tell you what, for years and years, we would go in July, and then when my daughter started going to school, we went over in May, and I found two things. Number one, it was cooler. Number two, there was a lot less people in May than in July. And uh, so we we had a great time together, and um, looking forward to today. I have had this message selected out here for about three weeks, and uh, it is not a new message that I have preached, but I have uh, really uh, just put some together, some couple of uh, minor changes here for this message today. But I'd like you to look, if you will, at the book of 2 Timothy, please, chapter number 1. I'm going to read several verses here in the first chapter, 2 Timothy chapter 1, then I'd like to read also in chapter 3. And so if you'd look, please, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve for my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois, and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. And now go over to chapter 3, if you would, and note verses 14 to 15. The Bible says, again, Paul is writing to this young man, Timothy, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of. Notice this phrase, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. I want to talk this morning by God's grace and His empowerment here today. I want to speak on the influence of a mother. Now, fathers, don't check me out, okay? If you're not a mother, don't say, well, this sermon is not for me. Every one of us has influence, and we have an opportunity to influence people in a lot of different ways. So let's look to the Lord in prayer here today. Father, I ask for your guidance upon this hour Thank you for already what has transpired, these wonderful words that we have sung as praises to you. We've talked about how great you are, and truly you are a great God. We've sang here how it is well with our soul for those who are believers, 
Oh, doesn't mean that this world will be trouble-free for us, but we sure can go to one who helps us through the trouble. And it is well with our soul. Thank you, Lord, for our mothers that are here today. Help us to gain some insight from this message. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Influence is a very important matter to consider in any relationship. Whether you are a pastor, a teacher, a church leader, a business owner, a father or mother, or even just a friend, all of us have influence. Some have greater amounts of influence and others less, but we all have some influence. Influence is defined as the capacity to have an effect on the character, development, or behavior of somebody. And you know, strewn throughout our American culture are many people who have made their mark as an influential person. When I say the following names, think about how they've influenced American culture. Bonnie and Clyde, Walt Disney, Rosa Parks, Jackie Robinson, Susan B. Anthony, Frederick Douglass, Joseph Smith, Elvis Presley, Benjamin Spock, Benjamin Franklin. Now, all of these people, whether for good or bad, influenced others and made their mark in life. And I must say that mothers, you today, your influence is something powerful to consider. Someone imagined that the mothers of these well-known sons probably made the following comments to them. Mrs. Morse, Sam, stop tapping your fingers on the table. It's driving me crazy. Maybe Mrs. Lindbergh said this to her son, Charles, can't you do anything by yourself? Or Mrs. Washington, George never did have a head for money. Some of you will get that later, maybe when you pull out a dollar bill at lunchtime. Or Mrs. Armstrong, Neil has no more business taking flying lessons than the man on the moon. Well, truly, mothers do have a great influence. I read a story a few years ago about Dr. Benjamin Carson. Many of you know that well-known, renowned surgeon, John Hopkins University, and then the secretary for the housing and urban development for then-President Trump. And I read the story that he told about the incredible influence that his mother had upon him. Mrs. Carson insisted that Ben and his brother Curtis would write a book report every couple of weeks. Now, this wasn't for school. This was actually for their mother. And Ben and Curtis, as he relayed, dutifully obeyed. And it was about the time that Ben arrived in a junior high school that he realized something that was quite shocking. His mom could not read. She couldn't read. For years, Ben had read books and scratched out reports, assuming that his mother was checking every word, but she didn't have a clue what he was saying. And consider this, if you will. Raised by an illiterate mother, 
Ben grew up to be the world's famous surgeon who was featured in many articles and himself wrote a number of books. His illiterate mother didn't twist her hands over lack of I wouldn't be living here. And she earned it. That's influence. That's influence. You know, you look through the Bible and you find that there are many examples of mothers who greatly influenced their children. We know the name Moses. Maybe some of you might know his mother's name or not, but I'll tell you what, what made Moses what he was besides the Lord on this earth was his mother, Jochebed, who influenced him in the ways of God when he was young. Hannah showed such great sacrifice in giving Samuel back to the Lord. Elizabeth was a great woman of faith who influenced John the Baptist. Mary, the mother of the Lord Jesus Christ, was always around and influenced him as she could. And then right here in our text, we read about these two dear ladies, Lois and Eunice, the grandmother and mother respectively of Timothy. Well, what do we know about these two ladies? Well, certainly we know a lot more about Timothy But I believe that we can surmise a little bit about these two dear ladies. Eunice was a Jewish lady who was married to a Greek man. She became a believer in Jesus Christ. And together with her mother, Lois, they helped raise their boy, Timothy, in the very ways of God. And I'll tell you, they did a great job because Timothy became a preacher Timothy was greatly used of God, and it was due to the influence of his mother and his grandmother. So let's look for just a moment in these verses that we read at the ways in which Lois and Eunice influenced that young boy, Timothy. And I think there are three things that emerge from the text here today. First of all, number one, I want you to notice according to chapter 1, verse 5, They influenced him for salvation. You see, as a mother today, you can influence your children for salvation. I think as you look at Lois and Eunice and Timothy all together, you can put some of the pieces of the puzzle together of the family and what happened in their lives. It's very possible that at an evangelistic campaign that Paul had been preaching that it was there that Lois and Eunice came to trust Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And in turn, they were able to lead their son, Timothy, to a saving knowledge of Christ as well. Now, I know when we think about the statistics, and I use statistics from time to time, but I don't get all bent out of shape on looking at these things. But statistically, a man has a greater chance of leading his whole family to Christ. In fact, a number of years ago, the Southern Baptist Convention had published some unbelievable results regarding here the family and salvation within the family. In other words, if the child in the family is the first one to become a Christian, then there is a 3.7% probability that the rest of the family will become Christians. 
If mom is the first in the family to become a Christian, then there's a 17% probability that the rest of the family will follow. But dads, if they're the first one to become a Christian, listen to this, there's a 93% probability that everybody else will follow his lead. Now you said, preacher, say that for Father's Day. I get it. I understand fathers have a great role. And I want to tell you something. Mothers, don't discount the role that you have. Don't discount the influence that you have upon your children. Whether you're married today to a man who is saved or not, whether you're married to a man who is living for Jesus or he could care less about Jesus Christ, you stand up for Jesus and live for Him. And you help lead your family in the ways of God. Live for Jesus because the great influence is there upon your children. I think about my dear mother-in-law here today. About a month and a half ago, she turned 86 years old. Unbelievable. But I tell you what, she had a great influence upon her two children. She was married to a man who never made a public profession of faith in Jesus Christ, but was always just allowed her to go to church. And every Sunday, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, she brought my wife Darla and her brother Danny to church. You know, my wife grew up with a drug problem. She was drugged to church every time the church doors were open. I know you didn't think I was going that direction. But honestly, that's due to the faithfulness of a dear mother who didn't have the backing, per se, of a husband at home to encourage her to go to church, but she said, we're going to church. And the reason my wife goes to church today is not because she's married to a preacher. It's due to the influence of a dear mother. So whether your husband is saved or not, or lives for Jesus or not, the first thing you can do is help lead your children in the right way and in the way of salvation. Now, you may ask, well, how do I do this? I, I, I don't feel adequate. I'm, I'm not much of a teacher. I don't know how to explain things well. Well, I can tell you what, one of the greatest things you can do is take your children to church. Lead them. I just heard today, just this morning, Ethan told me that Wednesday night there were four young people, children, who trusted Jesus at the children's meeting. What a great opportunity to see that children that have been brought to church hear the gospel and respond to Jesus Christ. So I'm going to tell you, mothers, here's how you can influence your children for salvation. Bring them to church. It might be in Sunday school. It might be in a church service, children's church, that they'll hear the gospel and they'll respond and get saved. You say, well, I don't know how to do this. Well, lead them to church and read Bible passages to them. Read Bible stories to them. Rehearse the gospel often with them and encourage them to receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. The story is told of a godly woman who spent many hours a day over the wash tub and ironing board in order to take care of her little boy by the name of John. As John was a youngster, she spent whatever time that she could reading the Scriptures to him, praying with him, praying for him, and sharing with him the love of Jesus Christ. 
But sadly, this boy, when he got into his teen years, lived a horrendous life. And after a near-death experience at sea, he began to think about all that his mother had invested in him concerning the ways of salvation. And it was at that moment that he trusted Jesus as Savior. That young man became a preacher in London and was a writer of the great song that we sing, Amazing Grace. His name, John Newton. But you know of John Newton today, I believe, because of the influence of a mother. Mothers today, you can influence your children for salvation. But number two, you can influence your children for the Scriptures. For the Scriptures. As we've already talked about the influence of salvation, we now see that the Scriptures really are that which makes one wise unto salvation. Where will a young person learn the way of salvation? It's through the Bible. And now, you think about it, at the time that Timothy is growing up there in the home of his dear mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois, what scriptures did he have? Well, he didn't have the whole Bible as we have today. All he had was an Old Testament. But notice how the verses are laid out. Would you look at chapter 3, these verses we read earlier? Notice here the laying out of these verses. He talks about here this phrase, he says, you're to continue in these things that you've learned, that you've been assured of. And this last phrase, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Who's that a reference to? Who's the whom? Well, there's no doubt in my mind, this is a reference to his mother and his grandmother. And I believe that Lois and Eunice's mother took time on a regular basis to spark in him a desire for the Word of God. But how did they do that? Well, that's where the first half of the verse is. They caused him to learn the Scriptures. They didn't just figure, well, hopefully, you know, there's a Bible sitting on the coffee table. We hope little Timmy picks up the Bible and reads it. They didn't just think to themselves, well, we, we hope that somehow he might go off to church and learn the Bible. No, no, I believe that Lois and Eunice on a regular basis would sit down with little Timmy and would show him how the Scriptures unfolded and they would show him how to read the Bible for himself. And Timothy became that preacher of the Word of God. But they didn't just cause him to learn it, they caused him to be assured of it. You know, it's one thing to learn the Word of God. There are many of you here today that know the Word of God. You know the books of the Bible. You could recite most of the Ten Commandments. You could tell about some of the stories of Jesus Christ. But are you assured of it in your heart? That word assured means to be convinced, to be persuaded. They helped Timothy understand that the Bible is real, that God is real, to trust Him, to trust His Word every day. And young Timothy became assured of those things. <coughs> you see, the only thing we have in the Word, the world itself, to give our children that is lasting is salvation and the Scriptures. <coughs> salvation and the Scriptures. It's hard to imagine the society that we live in, but yet it's a very important 
that we give our children the Scriptures. Now you say, preacher, how do I instill these things into my children? How do I help them learn the Word of God and become assured of it? Well, first of all, you and I must instill in them the Word of God. I want to encourage you mothers here today, spend time reading the Word of God to your children and with your children. All of you are familiar with Abraham Lincoln. He received the name, nickname, Honest Abe. And that nickname came to him because of a godly Christian mother who regularly sat Abe on her knee and read to him the Word of God. Her special concentration in reading was the Ten Commandments. Lincoln's mother, Nancy, once said, I would rather raise Abe to be able to read the Bible than to own a farm if he can have only but one option. Nancy died when Abe was nine years old, but the law of God had already been inscribed deeply upon his heart. Her last words to him on her dying bed were this, Abe, I'm going to leave you now, and I shall not return. I want you to be kind to your Father and live as I have taught you. Love your Heavenly Father and keep His commandments. When asked later in his life why he was so honest, he said that he could clearly still hear the tones of his mother's voice as she spoke to him from Exodus 20 and read of the Lord God who gave His commandments. And Lincoln declared, All that I am or hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. So number one, instill the word of God into them. But number two, teach it in everyday life. You know, there's a lot of things that we try to instill in our children. Mothers, you're constantly teaching things to your children, aren't you? Wash your hands. You know, put your dirty clothes in the laundry basket. I mean, there's all sorts of things. I read a little while ago, funny perspective on mothers and what they teach their children every day. Think about how mothers teach their children about religion. You better pray that stain will come out of the carpet. How about foresight? Mothers always teaching about foresight. Make sure you wear clean underwear in case you're in an accident. Or irony. Keep laughing and I'll give you something to cry about. Mothers teach about stamina. You sit there till that spinach is finished. They'll teach about the weather. It looks as if a tornado swept through your room. They'll teach you about the circle of life. I brought you into this world. I can surely take you out. And then mothers teach about behavior modification. Stop acting like your father. Now, I know you mothers don't say that. But truthfully, out of all the things that we may teach our children, the greatest thing that we can teach them is the Bible. You know, teaching is not just a Sunday thing. It's not just a, 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 just a particular dedicated time where we may sit down and say, okay, now I'm going to sit down and teach you a little lesson about the Bible. If you were to go back and look at Deuteronomy chapter number 6, verses 4 through 7, it speaks of the teaching and the sharing of the Word of God at all different times. For instance, the writer of Deuteronomy says, look, when you're lying down, when you're getting up, 
when you're walking by the way, and he basically encompasses every aspect of life is an opportune time for you to teach and share the Word of God. But you say, well, how do I teach it? Well, instill it in them. Teach it. But I think you ought to live it out. You know, the greatest Bible that any child should see is one that is fleshed out by his or her mother and father. I love this story I read years ago about the great preacher G. Campbell Morgan. He was one of the great Bible expositors there in England. And he had passed away in 1945. And he actually came from a great family of preachers. His dad was a preacher. He was a preacher. And two of his brothers were preachers. But one day at a family reunion, a friend came up to him and said, uh, Brother Morgan, I want to know who you think the best preacher is in your family. And he quickly replied that it was his mother. You see, he showed a strong belief in the idea that his mother had lived out the Word of God before them. So mothers, influence your children for salvation. Influence them for the Scriptures. But I want you to look at chapter 1, verse 6. And I want you to see that we ought to influence our children for service. Notice Paul's writing to Timothy, and he's saying, I'm, I'm putting you into remembrance here of the gift that God has given to you. Timothy was a man called of God to minister in the things of God. Now, Paul, being Timothy's mentor, helped him immensely, but I am a firm believer that Timothy got into the ministry due to the fact that there was a great encouragement and influence by his mother and his grandmother. Now, may I say, when it comes to ministry or whatever calling it is, every child that grows up must find God's calling on their life for themselves. But there is nothing that can be held back in regards to the influence. When I was surrendered to the ministry, I knew that it was God calling me. But I would have to go back and say safely that the influence of my mother helped direct me in this way. And every child that has gone off can say safely that God has called them but how important it is to recognize the influence of a mother or a father. Parents, you and I have the awesome responsibility of having our, helping our children find God's calling in their life. It's not a push. It's not a pull. It's not dragging. It's not kicking or manipulating. It's helping them and influencing them. Woodrow Wilson, who happened to be the 28th president of the United States, had a mother, Jessie, the daughter and wife of a minister. And she herself was a woman of fine personality and had rare gifts. Seemed to her that when Woodrow was young, he seemed destined to be a clergyman, and so she tried to help direct his steps in that way. But after time, she determined that this truly was not his calling and influenced him and advised him to take up what he loved the most, and that was the field of education. Now today, when you think about as a mother, some of you that are raising children right now, I understand it's times are busy. Life is just racing by. 
And you think about the opportunities. Where do I have time to sit down with my children and influence them in the Word of God and teach them and and raise them? And I understand today there are many working mothers because of the cost of living or other circumstances that may demand it. It might become necessary for a wife or mother to work outside the home. Now, while I would say as a preacher, that's not always the most ideal while the children are young, I understand it may be a necessity. But can I encourage you mothers that are in this situation, do not forget your highest calling in this life, and that is to adorn your husband and raise your children to be what God wants them to be. You know, Susanna Wesley who lived in the 1600s through the 1700s, managed a large household of 10 children. Now, those were 10 that survived. I think total she gave birth to 19. Nine of them had passed early on. But this dear lady, 10 children, oversaw the spiritual and academic education of her children. She focused diligently on their character, hard work, and knowledge of Scripture. And get this, every week she would pray for each child one hour a week, and every week she would meet with every child one hour a week, devoted to them, would help teach them uh, uh, the things of God. And how amazing, if you know the name Susanna Wesley, If you were to take your hymn book in front of you and flip through, you might find some songs by Charles Wesley and John Wesley, great men of God who were used to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I would guarantee if they were here today and you would say, what was the greatest influence in all this world? They would look to their mother, Susanna, and they would say, that dear lady influenced us for God. As I close today, I want to remind you of something, that one of the greatest blessings is to have a godly mother. One of the greatest gifts that you can give your children is to be a godly mother. There was a little boy that had forgotten his lines. There was a little Sunday school presentation in the church service. The mother was sitting right in the front row, and as mothers do so well, they were prompting their child a little bit, and so she was gesturing and trying to form the words with her lips, but it really didn't help. Her son's memory just went blank. Finally, she leaned forward and whispered the cue to him, I am the light of the world. The child beamed, and with great feeling and a loud, clear voice said, My mother is the light of the world! (laughs) Well, can I tell you today, while Jesus is the true light of the world, you mothers can be the light which lead your children to Jesus. President Theodore Roosevelt well over a hundred years ago, said, When all is said, it is the mother and the mother only who is a better citizen than the soldier who fights for his country. The successful mother, the mother who does her part 
in rearing and training are right, the boys and girls who are to be the men and women of the next generation is of greater use to the community and occupies, if she only would realize it, a more honorable as, a, as well as a more important position than any in it. The mother is the one supreme asset of the national life. She is more important by far than the successful statesman, the businessman, the artist, or the scientist. Mothers, would you look at me here today, whoever you are, grandmothers, you have great influence today. Great influence. You say, well, I'm not really raising my grandchildren. I'm around them here and there. You have influence. Oh, the primary care is of the parents, and we grandparents say, praise God, our duties are done. And it's nice to spoil our grandchildren, and it's nice to be able to have them around, but it's sure nice to be able to give them back to mom and dad. But whether you're a mother or a grandmother, or even some in here today as a great-grandmother, you have influence. Influence your children for salvation. Influence them in the Scriptures and influence them for their service and calling. And that no matter what they do, they might be a plumber, an electrician working in some office, but their ultimate service is to Jesus Christ. 